Good morning. I have been attending this church for all of my 46 years, but I have never delivered a sermon before. (laughs) So I ask you to bear with me, please, and please pray with me now. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My topic today is favorites, and my family will tell you that it's a surprising topic because I am terrible at choosing favorites. When they ask a question like, what's your favorite food, or who's your favorite actor, or what's your favorite piece of equipment used by a particular character in this video game, they can usually predict my answer. I don't know. I really don't. Uh, It seems to me that I can't just choose a favorite. I have to gradually discover what my favorite is. That may take a long time. Some favorites are easier than others, of course. I haven't seen very many musical plays, but nothing is likely to surpass Les Miserables, right? Right, okay. Identifying a favorite movie is harder because I've seen so many of them. One possibility is The Princess Bride, because once you've seen it, you can never again use the word inconceivable without wondering if that word means what you think it means. The hymns that I've selected are three of my favorites, and they have a neat little puzzle associated with them. Neat little puzzles are another favorite of mine, so I'll share it with you. In each hymn, a common noun is repeated in three verses. That's three different words, one for each hymn. You may refer to your hymnals if you wish, because there will be an open book quiz. (laughs) I love our first hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, for the beautiful metaphors that it uses to describe aspects of God. The one repeated metaphor tries to explain why we cannot actually see God despite his presence all around us. The same metaphor is also used repeatedly to describe the Son of God in the Gospel of John, which we have just heard. Can you tell me the secret word? The word is light. And its association with God goes all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. The first thing that God commands is, let there be light. And all the energy of billions of galaxies and billions of trillions of stars exploded into being at one instant, creating the entire universe as we know it. Is that inconceivable or what? I'm also reminded of Exodus 33, in which Moses asks to see God's glory But God replies that no one can see his face and live. So God puts Moses in the cleft of a rock and permits him to look out after his glory has passed by. I imagine a light so brilliant that nothing mortal could possibly withstand it. But we can see reflections of God's light, even if they are distorted by our perceptions and our fallen world. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's what we have to look forward to in heaven. Until then, there are images like that on the front of the bulletin. I didn't choose that picture, but I do believe that it's one of my favorites also. Uh, Technically, they're called crepuscular rays. Uh, but some people call them God rays. Whenever I see them, I'm reminded of God, and I can practically hear the angelic chorus. Alleluia! 
Our second hymn is based on an Irish text that is well over a thousand years old. I find it to be a calming, peaceful influence. Be thou my vision invites God to be everything to me, my wisdom, my treasure, the very center of my life. What is the secret word? Heart, yes, very good. The hymn reminds me to observe the commandment from Deuteronomy that Jesus recognized as the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. In fact, the word heart appears in all three of our scripture readings today. It's a word that connotes the essential core of one's being. It's a word that's deeply embedded in our language's idioms of importance and emotion. When you memorize a verse, you know it by heart. When someone gives you really good advice, you take it to heart. When someone is faint-hearted or downhearted or broken-hearted, you may encourage them to take heart. And the mysteries of the heart are at least as great as the mysteries of the rest of creation. Why do our hearts lead us astray when God's law can be said to be written on our hearts? Are our hearts too hardened to accept God's love? Then we must start afresh by asking, in the words of Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Another favorite quote is from The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. One does not see clearly except with the heart. The essential is invisible to the eyes. This recalls our first hymn. God is invisible, but we can know him in our hearts. Our closing hymn is printed in the bulletin because it is not included in our current hymnal. It is included in this old hymn book, however. How many of you can remember this book? Okay, very good. I know that O God of Earth and Altar must be one of my favorites because although we haven't sung it for years, I still recall every line. The words were written by English author G.K. Chesterton in 1906. It's an angry hymn, a hymn of frustration. It's a lamentation for all that's wrong with the world and a petition for God to help us make it better. A lot of the songs in the book of Psalms are like that. This hymn speaks of scorn, terror, lies, and easy speeches. Clearly, these concerns are still relevant to us today. Have you discovered the secret word that's found in all three here verses? Bueller? The word is sword. Sword. Now, the sword can be a symbol of violence, and Jesus warns us that all who take the sword will perish by the sword. We pray for a future prophesied in Isaiah that they shall beat their swords into plowshares. But the sword can also be a symbol of honor. When a knight pledged his sword to his king, he was pledging his word, his service, and his life. In today's epistle reading, the word of God is compared to a sharp sword, dividing soul from spirit, joints from marrow. That seems rather frightening, doesn't it? The purpose, though, is to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, possibly also frightening. Our hymn begs of God, take not thy thunder from us, but take away our pride. The apostles James and John were called sons of thunder, and Jesus was able to make use of their talents. But their pride got in the way, 
when they asked Jesus for places of honor in his kingdom. They wanted to be his favorites. And Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So in order for all of us to be lifted up by God, we must abandon our pride and permit him to bind all our lives together in the service of his purposes. Let us pray. Lord, may the light of your truth smite our hearts like a sword, that we may know you ever more fully and serve you ever more faithfully. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.